All right, everybody, welcome back to the Detroiter presented by the second string, the premier outlet for sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. How are we doing? How are we fucking doing today, people? Um, not a huge day as far as Detroit sports go. I mean, hockey couldn't be more out of season if it tried. Basketball couldn't be more out of season if it tried. That summer league kick was fun. That's over. Now it's it's just the waiting game for both of them. Waiting till October, I think, right? Late October for both of them. We talked a little bit about the uh, NHL instituting jersey ads the other day. That's kind of it. That's, I mean, nothing going on with the Red Wings. And we talked a little bit about Jalen Green last week, but now, you know, that's a little stale. Also, kind of at the point, it was fun to make fun of him. I still think he's an absolute clown, but kind of at the point where it's like, all right, let's move on. I don't actually care that much about Jalen Green. I like making fun of him. You're going to, you give me a, a softball, a beach ball over the heart of the plate to just blast into the third deck. I'm going to blast it. I'm going to look like Barry Bonds with it. Um, but yeah, I'm a little tired. Like who cares? It, you know, Jalen Green, who really gives a fuck, met, got our jokes and made fun of him, talked about him. Let's move on. So nothing basketball, nothing hockey, MSU hoops, U of M hoops, nothing. Basketball just totally out of season. It's football time, baby. It's football time. The last few weeks, fortunately for me, We've had a little bit of stuff to talk about. We've had some sprinkles. Obviously, like I just mentioned, the Kate and Jalen drama was good there. Um, the Red Wings, Steve Eiserman was was nice enough to bless us, bless us, excuse me, with making a few moves. I had a couple trades, free agent signings, a little speculation. Now, you know, it, that's dry and it's football. That got us through the little football wake where it's kind of all right. We're a month out, football, it's starting to, you know, you're seeing the football highlights on TV, you're talking about football with your friends, you're planning fantasy drafts, you you got that feeling in the air. Now, all of a sudden, a couple of the evenings, you get football weather, it's like 73 and a crisp, cool fall air where you're like, oh man, somebody should be getting CTE at the hands of another human, human being also getting CTE right now. We're starting to creep into that territory. And we're almost there. We're almost there. It's Wednesday, August 25th today, a week and two days from now, (laughs) this coming or next Friday, MSU will take its talents to Evanston, Illinois, and it will beat the pulp, beat the pulp out of a Northwestern Wildcats football team. I know Northwestern's not supposed to be too bad. I know Northwestern the last like four or five years, it seems has been pretty good, actually. I know they were a top-10 team when Mel Tucker choked them out of all life last year. Um, I know they probably hate MSU for that this year. They probably want revenge, home game. They should be optimistic. Obviously, I'm optimistic as an MSU fan. Who I've said it time and time again, how couldn't you be right now? How could anybody be a Michigan State fan and not be living the goddamn dream as far just getting high on our own supply, getting high on the – prospect of what this season may offer not necessarily what it's going to offer but how are you not just floating on clouds anytime you open up twitter and see a mel tucker clip how are you not floating on clouds when you read these players saying shit like oh man there's an energy around here different than it's been in years like we're gonna do something special 
how are you not getting high on your own supply when that shit's going around? Northwestern, I'm sure, is thinking the same thing. The last few years, like I've said, they've had a better track record. They probably have more of a reason to be optimistic and excited than MSU fans. They don't have Mel Tucker, though. And to be honest with you, I don't give a shit who they are. I don't care who they have. I don't care how great they've been in the program's history the last five years. I don't care about any of that, if you ask me. I care about MSU. I care about Mel Tucker. I care about those things Those they're saying. Oh, it's getting better. It's special. I care about the fact that we brought in, what was it, 13 offseason transfers. Every single one of them should be playing right away. That's what I care about. Um, I don't know how you couldn't be juiced up for Friday against Northwestern. It's crazy that we're almost there. It is crazy that we're almost there. I feel like we've kind of been in this, like a running in place type thing, talking about, oh, football's around the corner, football's around the corner. Wild that it's finally here. I cannot fucking wait. I wrote a blog the other day about (laughs) just how much I love the pomp and circumstance of football, which college football specifically, which I can't wait for. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Saturday night. Cool breeze. Okay. You've probably been drinking for most of the day. Kirk Herb Street, Brett, Brett Musburger come over the airwaves. I cannot wait for that stuff. I can't wait. There are a few things. There are a few things about not only college football, just college games, basketball included, that you just don't get anywhere else unless you're talking the English Premier League. And even then, it's a little different. But those crowds, I miss a college football crowd. Obviously, last season, they played, which was awesome. I'd rather have them play in front of nobody than not play at all. But those were they were graveyards. There was nobody there. The big house, dude. Michigan State played at the big house. There wasn't a fucking human to watch that game that wasn't associated with one of the teams. That place holds like, what, 118,000 people, some shit, like 115, something obnoxious like that there wasn't a single human being to watch those games that that's why i can't wait for college that's why i can't wait for college football obviously i love football itself i love i don't care if they're in college i don't care if they're in high school whatever i like watching guys play football college is fun because they're all fucking animals they're complete savages the coaches are getting paid a shitload of money to figure it out and make the offense look pretty make the defense look pretty it's very high level football it's not the nfl no doubt i'm sure there are people right now as i've been going off on this tangent saying man nfl so much better fine fair enough fair enough it probably is too i mean the quality of the football obviously those players are better i mean Talk about savages. Talk about human beings that were <laughs> almost created in labs to, to destroy the brains of other human beings. Those guys are freaks. Those guys are freaks. I, I agree. I agree. The NFL is probably a better brand of football if you just want to talk about the game. But there's something to be said for what college brings to the table. It still is a high-level product. Absolutely. I think I'm sure we'll get into it too once college basketball season comes back around. There's, there's, I think a a bigger gap when you watch a college basketball game than when and an NBA game than when you watch a college football to an NFL game. I think the basketball, the gap in the talent is way more obvious. But 
but but but it still exists in college football but i think there, it's a lot less noticeable i think college football players college football teams those games especially i mean msu and fucking northwestern on friday isn't gonna be the creme de la creme but you get a ohio state clemson it's like yeah this is about as like this is almost the nfl this is right fucking there. This is NFL light. NFL, the junior team for the NFL. I think it's a lot harder to be upset or to really notice or pay that much attention to the fact like, oh man, the guys in the NFL are so much better. Like that's, you. I've never had a moment watching a college football game where I'm like, oh, oh, I got to turn this off now. The NFL guy would have made that play. Yeah, the quarterbacks are better. They make a couple better throws. But, like, what else is that obvious? You still have the dominant players. You still have electric plays, guys like Saquon. Like, he played in college. That dude was also nuts in college, if you don't remember. If you don't – Aaron Burbridge, bro. He never went to the league. I guess maybe this helps the NFL people. But Aaron Burbridge in college, that guy was fucking nuts. He was a walking highlight reel in college football. I can't wait for the pomp and the circumstance. The game aside, I love tuning into a Saturday night game here in Kirk Curb Street. Brett Musburger, the drone or whatever it is, the Goodyear blimp flying overhead the stadium, and you're just looking down on a hundred thousand people. Everybody's wearing the same color, or maybe you're you're watching MSU Oregon. Once one section's white, one section's green. It's striped. That you get that aspect where these crowds are unbelievable a lot of like ford field holds a lot of people i think like 50k between 50 and 60 like that's a good number of people ford field also gets loud it's a fun place to watch a game college stadiums they hit they hit remarkably different like for instance msu spartan stadium i don't think well I mean, I don't know, I guess, because I'm viewing it from a person who's grown up and lived in Michigan all his life. I don't think Spartan Stadium's necessarily revered as like, uh, oh, that's a, whew, you're going into a death trap when you play at Spartan Stadium. Like, I don't think it's considered a very, very, very tough place to play. I think it absolutely can be. That Oregon game that I'm talking about, there's 68, 70,000 people there everybody's into it everybody knows the stakes it for sure can be like when michigan comes to town it will be but i don't think people in california are saying oh spartan state like can't wait to see that atmosphere tonight the atmospheres are great no doubt the atmospheres are great and that's the thing that's the thing i don't think people are saying the horseshoe or saying a whiteout at penn state or saying that run in Death Valley or whatever, wherever Clemson plays. I don't think they're putting that in the same breath as a game at Spartan Stadium. And even still, you turn on a game at Spartan Stadium on a Saturday night and you're like, oh my God, this place is rocking. It's surrounded by trees. The campus is fucking gorgeous. There's 70,000 odd people in there. It's loud. You get the go green go white it is it is a sight to behold and it's not even one of like you mentioned the greatest venues in college football spartan stadium's not running off in the first like 10 and it's still you turn it on and it's ooh, ooh, goosebumps oh the vibes are coming through my television oh i wish i was there that's what you get 
That doesn't happen with football. Not as often anyway. You don't get the, there's just an electricity in the air between the crowd, between the stakes on this game, everything that you don't get that same feeling in the air. College football, big game, Saturday night, prime time, ESPN, Herbie and Musburger on the call. It may as well be the national championship and it's week four. It may as well be. You can convince me the crowd doesn't think it's a natty. You couldn't convince me the players don't. You couldn't convince me anything about it. It's not the biggest game on the schedule this year. That's what I love. You have the band playing the fight song. You have the chance, the, the organized chance. MSU, you get the go green from the north side, go white from the south side. Penn State, we are Penn State. You don't get that in any other sporting event. In America, hockey crowds are awesome. They do some cool stuff. You don't get that. You don't get that buildup. You don't start the broadcast feeling like you're already three hours deep. By the time 8 p.m. rolls around, by the time you finally are getting the broadcast, you feel like you've watched five primetime games already. You've been jacked up all day. It's all you can think about. Even in games, what I love too, Ohio State two years ago. Lewerke's last year, MSU played at the shoe. MSU wasn't great. They had already lost to ASU. Ohio State was great. They were going to win the Big Ten, maybe win a natty. MSU goes into, into Columbus, plays at the shoe, Saturday night prime time. There should be no reason that I'm sitting there like, ooh, man, let's see what MSU can do. Like it's The odds were not in MSU's favor, even remotely. They didn't have the firepower. They didn't have the players. They just didn't have what it took. It's not the MSU of 2014, 2015. But even still, throughout all that with the broadcast, with the feeling in the air of just like the anything can happen tonight, it's a big college football game, all bets are off, you still get that feeling of, dude, I don't know. Like, we'll see, man. Let's fucking let it ride. You that just the energy in the air. It's like this could be working for Ohio State. Some some weird stuff may happen, and this may just work for MSU tonight. It's a crazy thing. I don't think it happens. Certainly not in the NFL. Um, definitely, definitely not in baseball. And I, I love hockey crowds. Don't think it happens in hockey either. I can't wait for the college football production, the pomp and circumstance. And I'm hoping. I should look up the broadcast. I haven't yet. I'm hoping MSU. So they play Northwestern Friday at 9, 8 o'clock Chicago time. I really, 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 really hope. I really hope that's treated as like a Saturday night primetime game. I don't really know why that game is on a Friday unless they're – it's like a week zero type thing where they're not playing a ton of games on the Saturday. I'm not really certain because that seems like a – pretty good game I, it's not fucking ohio state michigan obviously but msu northwestern northwestern coming off a night a nice season mel tucker and the dogs coming off i mean not a great record but there is something something to build on they're coming off an off season in which anything anybody can say is positive it's a huge brand michigan excuse me michigan state michigan state football especially in chicago Big Ten matchup to start it off. I it's I there's a chance. I don't know what the broadcast is, 
But you think about that a Friday night too. That's that may work in our favor. Probably not an, a game on Friday that's rivaling that. If it is a full slate Saturday, I'm sure there's some non-conference like Ohio State, Virginia Tech. I feel like they always play. I'm sure there's some non-conference random heavyweight matchup on the Saturday that would blow MSU Northwestern out of the water. But since it's on a Friday, kind of kicking off the weekend, opening weekend of college football, Mel Tucker, big brand MSU, looking to kind of climb back to the top, looking to get back to where they were. The potential's there. The potential's there. I don't know. I'm going to look up at the break. I'm going to look up um, the broadcast now because I'm just curious. But I can't wait for the pomp and circumstance. Can't wait for the energy in the air. I can't wait for fall. And we're going to dive in next week. I know I haven't done a ton today about, oh, like what are we thinking about MSU is not really in depth. Next week, next week's episode, there still won't be any, uh, there still won't be any Red Wings to talk about. There still won't be any Pistons. We'll talk a little bit about Miggy today. He hit 500 this past week. Fucking legend, legend of the game. But there won't be any more baseball to talk about. It'll be football from here on out until like October. I mean, the Tigers aren't making the playoffs. I mean, I don't think Miggy, unless he hits 3,000 this year, that's kind of it. That's the only thing worth listening to, if you ask me. Listening to talking about with the Tigers is the Miggy storylines. So until October, it's going to be MSU football. It's going to be Michigan football. It's going to be Detroit Lions football. Until hockey comes back around, until basketball gets going, that's it. Baseball's been a wash. Um, we had a couple fun weeks, a couple fun months. They better, you know, better than expected, but there's nothing really. There's nothing that moves the needle. Like, there's not, I don't know, is anyone listening right now? Like, man, come on, give me like 10 minutes on the Tigers. Is there really anything anybody needs to hear on the Tigers right now? Miggy, we'll do the Miggy 500, but other than that, as a team, what's there to talk about? The season's been over. White Sox are running away with the division. They're not going to make the wild card. It's offseason time. The The most exciting part of the Tigers now is either Miggy hitting 3,000 or when we get to the offseason and see if Chris Illich is about it. That's all it is with the Tigers. If Chris Illich is about it, then we can start talking actual Tigers. Then we can start talking about making plays – fucking playoff runs, winning games, winning divisions, then we can talk. If Chris Illich is about it, then we can do that. In the meantime, there's nothing there. It's Miggy making legendary records. It's Miggy being on fucking list with Ted Williams, being on list with Babe Ruth and Barry Bond. Like just not even like I don't even think legends is the correct word. Icons of the game, the founding fathers of the game. It's Miggy being on lists with guys like that. Truly the best to ever do it. And that's it until Chris Illich makes a move. In the meantime, Lions, I mean, week week to week, these podcasts are essentially going to become going into whoever the Lions play that week, going into whoever MSU plays that week, going into whoever Michigan plays that week, and then going into the, the, like the following week. All right. That is who they played. This is how the game went. I think at that point, once football season starts, I may start doing this twice a week, obvious, like once on Thursdays, um, two 
oh, all right, MSU plays the, the like preambles to the games, and then once on Tuesdays maybe, like the post game or Mondays. We'll see. But I'm going to start doing this probably twice a week, and it's going to become dominated by the football games just because that's what I care the most about. That's what I think most people that are listening are going to care most about, and that's going to be by far the most relevant and inter- interesting stuff to talk about. So I kind of started this, to be honest with you. I, the whole podcast thing, me wanting to do this, talk about sports. I love the Red Wings too. I love the Tigers, Pistons. I like talking about all that shit as well, no doubt. Football's my baby, though. I wanted to come on here and air my grievances with the football teams. I wanted to come on here and get excited or get sad about the football team. So we're finally here. I'm ready to double down, um, and I'm very, very excited for football season. So next week – We'll do. Uh, we'll get into MSU more. I'm going to try to have Jaden Reed on. We're going to do uh, more MSU. We're going to dive into the Northwestern game. Talk Northwestern. Talk about whoever they have. <laughs> We're going to talk about that game. The following week, we'll do some. We'll do some state stuff because they're going to be playing. I think Youngstown, and it'll be Lions heavy. We'll run through the Lions schedule. We'll talk about the prospects for the Lions. I don't know who I'd have on for that Lions podcast, but I'll look into it. We'll do Lions, though. We're here. We're here. This is, I think, when I think about what the Detroiter is going to be and what I want it to be and and the podcast audience and growth and all that, just when I think about everything we're doing here, um, football season, like this is this is what I envision is it, it all stems from football. It all stems from football. I think it's the most conducive to what I want to do as far as making the podcast and making content. It's the most conducive as far as what I like am super passionate about and care about and want to talk about. So we're here. I'm very excited. I I cannot fucking wait for college football again. I cannot wait with crowds too. Oh, oh I can't wait. Um, Lions especially. I'm going to the Ravens game week three, so hopefully the season's not over by then, but you never know. All right, we'll take a quick break. On the flip side of the break, we'll do a couple minutes on Miggy, and then we'll take another break. And I was going to talk some Lions, but I figure we'll save the Lions talk, the season, the expectations, the big Lions episode we'll save for next week. But but we are going to do Lions. We are going to do Lions. Matthew Stafford, our baby boy, man. Our fucking baby boy. I miss that guy. He uh, – he did. He was the cover story for ESPN. I think it came out either today or yesterday. I just read it. Good read. Kind of like fucking. This is so sad. <laughs> I've never met Matthew Stafford. I nothing. I just watched the guy play sixteen times a year for <laughs> for the last twelve years. Kind of sad though. Kind of emotional. Like like losing a friend or or like moving away when you leave college and it's like damn. Like, there's nothing you can do about it, but that's sad. Like, they're doing their thing. I'm doing mine. We're both happy, but fuck, man. That's kind of sad. What it felt like reading it. Just a couple friends. You live on the West Coast. I live on the East Coast. Had our years together at college. May the odds be ever in your favor. (laughs) Fucking Hunger Games quote. Bet you didn't see that one coming. So I want to talk about the cover story. want to talk about the article. I guess talk about Stafford more too. I don't know. Um, just kind of got the got the feeling stirring. And like I said, we have time for the Lions deep dive and things like that in the next couple of weeks. So quick break. We'll do a little bit of Miggy and then uh, we'll finish it up with the Stafford cover story.
Miguel Cabrera finally, finally, finally hit number 500 over this weekend. I, uh, I It was starting to get to the point where it was like, how long is this? How long is this about to take? It was starting to get to the point where I wrote a blog saying, is Chris, is Chris Illich paying this guy off? Is Chris Illich paying off other teams to throw him bad pitches to just keep him from hitting 500 no matter what it takes? Chris Illich, 30,000 people at the ballpark on a fucking Tuesday night? Chris, Chris, you were wearing diapers the last time that happened, buddy. You think he's not a little bit like, hey, Miguel, we'll fucking toss you an extra five milli. You take 30 games to hit 500. Keep everybody jamming into Comerica, hoping to catch it, even though we both know they won't. It was starting to get to that point. Like, we got some funny business going on, but finally Cabrera hits that. Damn shame. Damn shame it was in Toronto and not in fucking Detroit. That blows, especially when I went to the game hoping to catch 500. Whatever, though, we won't make this about me. It was cool. I will say this before we get into Miguel. It was cool. Um, the Blue Jays fans giving them the standing out, standing out. You love to see that. You absolutely love to see that. Just class from the people in Toronto. Absolute class from the people up there. Those Canadians, they know how to do it right. I'll tell you that right now. They know how to do it. They know how to treat people with respect. They know greatness when it comes into their city. They know how to do it. Just hats off. Really, really nice job. Really class move from the whole group up in Toronto. Really nice stuff. Can't wait to go back to Rogers. Miggy, I'm sure, appreciates it. Really nice stuff as a fan. Watch it on TV. I appreciated it. Hey, this dude just joined the list with with guys that were alive during World War One. I, I think. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact, but they're so old. They've been – they're so – like fabled that I they think that actually could be possible that it's just they were alive during World War One. This guy joined the list of dudes who were playing when TV was in like black and white. Yeah, I'd hope the Toronto fans stand up, give him give him a few claps, maybe a woo woo, maybe a whistle. Like that's all. You don't need to fucking buy his jersey. You don't need to put it up in the rafters at Rogers, but let him know that he did a good job. Hats off. Hats off to the fans in Toronto. What a moment, though, for Miguel Cabrera. I will say, it's been nice. There's been a lot of dialogue about him now where it's, oh, man. Miguel Cabrera, there was the Big Cat clip the other day. I saw a clip today from uh, part of the interruption. Guy saying, got a bit interrupted there, as I so often am. Fucking so annoying. So annoying. Uh, I need to set up a podcast studio or something, or I don't even know. I need to fix the interruptions are out of control. Anyways, it's been cool to see Cabrera getting the love. PTI, pardon my take. People, I think a lot of people in Detroit, it's tough because those, those triple crown seasons when he's hitting 320 with 40 bombs and it's like, oh, wow. This guy actually is one of the best hitters ever in the history of baseball, in the history of the planet. Yeah, this guy absolutely is one of the best ever. I think it's super easy to lose sight of that when it becomes, oh, now it's 2020. Now he's hitting 240 with 12 home runs. And it's like, oh, that's easy to lose sight of. I think when it comes to Miggy, 
so many have kind of lost sight of what he actually is and what he actually has done because the last few years his ankles messed up his wrist is messed up he tears his bicep he's been hurt he's not quite the same after those injuries he's not hitting 40 home runs he's not hitting 315 it's so easy to forget that wait a second he still did that stuff though he's he still did that stuff for nine years he still hit 320 for however many years. Like, it's it's the guys that just, you know, I, I respect Miggy playing, but overstaying their welcome to an extent. I'm glad he's still playing. Otherwise, he wouldn't have hit 500. Otherwise, he wouldn't hit 3,000. But it's like we need to remember what this guy was, like why he's at 500, why he's at 3,000, why he's on lists with Ted Williams, fucking Lou Gehrig. It's, this guy is on lists where it's like Jesus Christ, Moses, and fucking, I don't know, Gandhi, and then Miguel Cabrera. Like, he is on all-time lists, all-time lists in the frame of baseball. In the, he's with dudes that, I said this the other day, with dudes that are so legendary and fabled, like, they may as well have never even existed. Ted Williams may, is, may as well just be like, one of Jesus's 12 apostles, just a dude that's had stories written about him that now is like in iconic folklore. I don't know if he existed. He maybe didn't exist. This guy's on lists with those people. He's on lists that Barry Bonds isn't even getting on. Barry Bonds. He's on lists with Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. Like it's, it's guys who your grandpa is like, man, I had this baseball card. He's why I love baseball. And then it's Miguel Cabrera. The only other new age dude that's on any of these lists is Barry Bonds. And on the most illustrious ones, he's not even on him. <laughs> it's like dudes that were playing during World War II and then Miguel Cabrera. Think about that for a second. I know he's fallen off a little bit. He's gotten old. He's gotten hurt. Shit happens. That's the way fucking the world works. That's the way the human body works. As far as why, you know, Miguel, it's like, oh, he's he's not talked about enough. He's underrated. I think a lot of it is just kind of that prime was now, it's crazy to fucking say it, but that prime was like six years ago, seven, eight years ago. It's been a little while since he was Miguel Cabrera, since he was the guy. That is the reason he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and break all these records and be on lists with Ted Williams and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. It's been a while since he's been that guy. I think it's good. Obviously, unreally at 500. Happy for him. I can't even imagine what that's like. To like, you're on a list. Only was it 28 other people in the history of baseball have hit 500 home runs. Only two other guys, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, have hit 300, hit 5,000 home runs, or hit 300 for their career, hit 500 home runs, and hit 3,000 hits. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Miguel Cabrera, when he hits 3,000. I I can't even fathom what it's like to be on a list of that caliber, a list of, hey, the world's been around for a long fucking time. Long fucking time. I, if you want to get into space and how insignificant we are on that timeline, different story. As far as the timeline and the relativity of time to humans, we've been around for a while. There have been a lot of fucking people that have been born, that have died, that have picked up baseballs, that have thrown baseballs, tried to hit baseballs. A lot of fucking people. He's on a list with two. Two guys. Two guys have done it. And then him. Two. 
in the history of the game being invented. Two guys and him. That, I I mean, I don't care if he's older now. I don't care if he's only going to hit 20 home runs this year. I don't care about any of that. You're on a list with two other human beings in the history of the planet Earth. That's fucking absurd. That's fucking absurd. So I'm glad he's getting the shine for it now. It is cool to see people like a big cat, like Mike Wilbon and Kornheiser say, oh man, this guy, he doesn't get enough love. He doesn't get his flowers. You're right. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to do the whole, oh, it's because he's in Detroit. I don't think so. Um, I think during those triple crown years, when the Tigers were making the playoffs every year, when they're a threat every year, I think Miggy was, like people knew. People who are like this fucking Miguel Cabrera guy is a savage. I think they knew. It's just, it's been a while. The Tigers have been useless the last five years. Miguel, I don't want to say useless, but he's kind of fallen off. It is what it is. People have people have forgotten a bit. But it's good to see him get some love. It's crazy. It's crazy some of these lists he's on. When he hits, gets 3,000 hits, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Miguel Cabrera. That is fucking wild. Another good opportunity. I know we talked about last week, crazy that I said this and didn't even consider Miguel Cabrera. We were talking about Megatron and how – I, we watched his entire career. Now he's a Hall of Famer, one of the best, if not the best wide receiver of all time. Miguel Cabrera. I know the prime is over. The part, like the mythical legend aspect of his career, that's over. But we're watching another guy who is one of the best players to ever attempt to play the game. He ended up in Detroit. He he built this career and legacy and folklore around his talents in Detroit. We got to see him rake in Detroit in the old English D. Crazy that he's at 5,000. 3,000 is going to be awesome. 500. I keep saying 5,000. 3,000 is going to be awesome. We're lucky. We are lucky, man. Megatron, fucking Miguel Cabrera is still doing it. Like a couple legends, a couple legends that were playing in Detroit not too long ago, and one of them still is. So congratulations, Miguel Cabrera, he's probably listening. I'm sure he is. This is probably when he hit 500, he was like, damn, I need to hear what that kid on the Detroiters got to say about it. I need to hear it. Congrats to Miguel. Jesus Christ, Moses, Gandhi, Miguel Cabrera. That's the list. That is the list. Quick break, and we will uh, close out the show. Matthew Stafford, man, talk about a legend. He's not quite Miggy, I suppose, but I fucking he's in my heart. He is Matthew Stafford. Talk about him and his ESPN cover story on the flip side. So ESPN today, I believe it was either today or yesterday came out with an article, the cover story of whatever this month's edition of ESPN magazine. I don't really know, to be honest, what, what publication, I think ESPN magazine cover story about Matthew Stafford, our baby boy, our golden boy, our beautiful boy. Oh, I miss him with everything in my heart. I miss him every day. I wake up every morning, say, man, great day to be alive. Let's get after it today. Hope Matthew has a great one. Hope he's just having a phenomenal one. Hope the sun's shining a little brighter in California. Hope the grass in his new backyard's a little greener. Hope he's just having a great one. That's all. That's all I hope for him. Talking about, obviously, kind of his career path, the switch up, what inspired the move from Detroit to L.A., what 
the straw that broke the camel's back, really. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. The straw that broke the camel's back. That dude, if that guy was a camel, I don't know if having humps means that camel's older or he's been putting in more work or he's endured a greater number of straws. But if that is the case, that guy's like a 12-humped camel. That guy has been has just been dealing with it, putting in the hours, keeping his mouth shut, showing up, doing his job, being the best leader for an organization, for a team, for a city that he could possibly be. That guy is the oldest camel of them all. He's the humpiest camel of them all. And it was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, another rebuild. You've been in the league for 12 years, spent your entire city or entire career in one city. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, I love Detroit. I'm, he did too. I think them and their family did too. But as far as career career goals go, he's banging his head into a wall. It's been 12 years of the same fucking shit. And he had to get out of there. You have to respect it. I did the whole episode when he did get traded. You have to respect it. They asked him about it. And it was, it was an emotional read, like I said. It was... It's tough because they go into it and they ask him, you know, what was it like making that decision going into the Lions front office saying, hey, guys, been a good run, but get me out of here. Like, I'm fucking, I want to try to win. I'm, what is he, 30, he's probably like 34 now, 35. I want to try. I want to have one honest shot at winning a Super Bowl before I call this thing. I can't play much longer. He's had a couple injuries. For the most part, I feel, though, Staff's been pretty healthy. He's battled through injuries. The toughest guy in the league, toughest quarterback in the league. Obviously, the famous clips, get the fuck off me. Get the fuck off me. If you need me to throw the ball, I can throw the ball. Playing last year against Tennessee when he probably shouldn't have. I can't. I think he hurt like his hand or his finger. Season was over. Useless for him to play. Matthew, feel free. Thanksgiving game, too. Feel free, dude. Fucking mail it in if you want to. Like, you, you've you paid your dues. We haven't done a fucking ounce to help you out. This coaching staff is oblivious. Feel free, Matt. Matthew, excuse me. Hang out on Thanksgiving. Eat a little more turkey this year. Stay at home with the family if you'd like. No. I'm the Detroit Lions. I'm the quarterback of the Detroit Lions. It's Thanksgiving. I'm going to play. Like, that guy. That guy is who we were lucky enough to have leading our franchise. They ask him and you have to respect him. I mean, he said what he said, what makes sense. 12 years. It's time. I need to, I want one honest chance. Um, he mentions LA, San Francisco, the Colts as his main destinations. Kind of love to see the lions as much grief as the lions get. And as much shit as they get, as far as the handling of Calvin Johnson and even like Barry Sanders a little bit. Love to see them work with their guy. Love to see them do Stafford a solid. Like, nothing would have pissed me off more. Stafford has toughed it out for 12 years. Hasn't complained once. Never leaks shit to the media. Even when he went and asked for the trade. In the article, he says, yeah, I didn't want to play that stupid leaks game. I went up to him like a man said, hey, let's keep this on the DL, but it's time for me to go. They did it like professionals. They handled it under wraps, and it was beautifully done. It was smooth sailing. Everybody was happy. No feelings were hurt. If the Lions would have botched that, that's their parting gift for Matthew Stafford. Hey, Matt, thanks for spending 12 years here. Thanks for dealing with us being completely inept. Thanks for um, 
tolerating bad hire after bad hire after bad hire. Thanks for putting up with the fact that we seemingly are incapable of surrounding you with talent. Appreciate everything you've done. Appreciate how positive you've been about the Lions and the city. Appreciate how good of a leader you've been. Um, to say thanks, why don't, I don't know, ship you to Jacksonville? <laughs> why don't we just send you somewhere you don't want to go? That would have been unfortunate or worse them saying they weren't going to trade him at all. So thank God the Lions, and he mentions it too. He's like, he says in the article, you know, go down the Lions for working with me, being generous enough to kind of understand where he's coming from, understand his situation, collaborate and work together to get get a job done. It was a good trade for the Lions. I said that too. I like the trade for the Lions too, so it's not like they're taking a taking a bath just to get him to LA. Stafford loves it. Rams love it. Lions love it. Who? That's it. That's all you got to say. I will say though, I will say first thing, if you read the article, you should, it's very fun to read. It's long, but it's fun to read. Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford. This guy looks like a goddamn GQ model. And we've already known he was a stallion. We've known this guy's an absolute stallion. Some of the clothes he's wearing here, you think it'd be Matthew Stafford, like a French Paris fashion week. Some of the clothes, he's got a big sweater with a smiley face on it. I don't know what this is. He's wearing a blue sweater with like triangles and squares. It looks like MC Escher designed it. Um, we got another one down here. He looks like he's been living in Miami, pink, teal, like a pastel tan. The guy, the guy, I don't know if LA is getting into him, that culture, putting on a little bit more of a show, a little more flair. I don't know if that's getting into him. He decided, you know what, for this article cover, I'm going to go all out. This guy looks absolutely incredible. Like I said, we'd known he was a stallion. I didn't know. I didn't know this guy could have been mistaken for the founder of Off-White. I mean, he is styling in these pictures. And look at that smile. I, I just had to say it. Some of these sweatshirts and shirts Matthew Stafford's wearing, never in my life would I expect to see him. I mean, this truly looks like they took a piece out of a museum and slapped it on a shirt and gave it to him. Wouldn't expect Matthew Stafford to be rocking that. I'm glad he is, though. Guy looks sharp. Guy looks absolutely sharp. Gotta respect it. Gotta fucking respect it. Anyways, I will say, tough, tough part to read about this article. The toughest part to me. They didn't ask him a ton about Detroit. How'd you like Detroit? How'd you like living Detroit? And he's already been asked that. I think it's kind of obvious. I mean, you don't stick around somewhere for 12 years when your career in that city is kind of stonewalling you. I don't think you stick around anywhere for 12 years if that's the case, unless you really love the place. And he said it before. Kelly said it before. It's They, they love Detroit. They didn't ask him a ton about Detroit. But, man, what was tough to read was what when they get into the Lions and when they get into, you know, what decide, what made you say this year, now it's time. Now it's time. What made you pull the trigger? And he starts talking about the Lions. He starts talking about what he felt the, the possibility to win was, what he felt the momentum of the organization was. It's tough to read, man. It's tough to read. And 
it's I I don't know why because it's not you know like I said it's nothing against Detroit. Detroit had nothing to do with it. It's nothing against the fans. It's the organization, the organization that I'm about to spend the next 17 weeks talking about. The organization that I'm going to watch 17 times this year. The organization that I've been watching on appointment every single week as long as my brain has been able to store memory. That's why he wanted to leave Detroit. This guy, this talented guy, and we're going to see this year too. We've said it again. I don't want to bring golf into this. We've said it again. Like this year, people are going to see. Whether they love Stafford, you're like me and you love them, and you know what he is and what he brought to the table and what he's going to bring to the table for the Rams. Or whether you were a guy who always, you know, was poking holes in him. You're one of those people. Oh, man, he can't get it. Stafford's not that great. Listen, whatever side of the aisle you fell on, we are going to be in for it this year. We're going to realize. Everybody, lovers, haters, are going to realize, oh, maybe I should have appreciated that guy more than he was. Not everybody's Matthew Stafford, huh? You don't fucking say. Not everyone's Matthew Stafford. I think people are going to appreciate it more this year. And it's tough to read that. Him wanting out, he was thinking about it the last couple years. They kind of had that window with Megatron 12, 13, 14. Couldn't cash in, couldn't get over the hump. Front office didn't do enough to help him out. He stuck it out. He was saying, last couple years, not just this series, every offseason, well, can't get motivated. He's having a hard time getting motivated in Detroit. He's starting to let go of that dream of, oh, we can win one here. I mean, there's a clip out of here where Kelly Stafford says, you know what, even though he'd lose motivation and I could tell he was kind of getting frustrated and and losing the fire, losing kind of the boyish wonder of, hey, we got some guys in Detroit. We could do this here. I know I'm the man. We could do this here, even though. She could tell he was starting to lose that year over year over year, year nine, year 10, year 11. She still said every single offseason by the, by week one, he had a way of convincing her and everyone around him that, fuck it, why not us? Why not this year? We got me, don't we? <sighs> that breaks my heart. <laughs> that breaks my heart, man. This guy was losing his fire. This guy wasn't able to get motivated. Like that that hurts me to read. I got nothing to do with the Detroit Lions. I don't fucking deal with the players. I'm not associated with the organization. It's not my job to help us win games. How do those people feel? This guy was waking up one of the best quarterbacks in the league to throw a football on the planet. He was waking up off-season training. Ugh. What's the use? Really? We got to that point with this guy. And it just, it has to make you appreciate him even more for just the personality he has, how well, how, how well fit he was to be a guy to lead your franchise, lead your city, lead your team. He's so easily, and the way the world is, the way athletes are, the internet, he's so easily year seven finishes. I need out of Detroit. I'm unhappy in Detroit. Easily. Nope. 12 years, put his head down, went to work. Maybe this is the year. Let's figure it out. All I know is I can work hard to be my best. Let's see what happens. 12 years, 12 fucking years, dude. Half of my life. Think about that. Half of my life. 
He's just been plugging away in Detroit. Half of my life. Never said a word. He knew. He saw the writing on the wall. He started to realize after probably year seven, year eight, ooh, these these Lions folk, they aren't the smartest. <laughs> they don't totally know what they're doing, do they? He started to realize it. Never caused problems. Never made it about him. Never got selfish. And then 12 years in, he said, you know what? Maybe it is. Maybe it is time I get a little selfish. Yeah, it is, Matthew. You could do whatever the fuck you want. And he still went about it in just a class way. Didn't tweet out. Didn't leak his agent. Oh, Matthew Stafford wants out of Detroit. Went in, sat down. Hey, guys, it's been 12 years. I've busted my ass. I've done everything. Like, it's clearly hasn't worked. I need to just let me get one more shot somewhere else, somewhere that can win tomorrow. Let me just one year. Breaks my heart. It's fucking sad to read guys that you loved, grew up watching, idolizing, dude. I love this guy. He was just like sad playing for my favorite team. (laughs) And they weren't all sad years. I mean, he again, in the article, he talks about those playoff years where they made the couple wild cards when they had Megatron were – I think in those years, he was probably thinking, man, we're going to win something in Detroit. Like, we got the ability. We got the players. It's not just me anymore. It's me. It's Calvin Johnson. It's Stephen Tulloch, Glover Quinn. Like, he and Dama Kung Su. He had those years, absolutely. He had – it wasn't all, oh, I don't want to go to workouts today. This, What's the use with, with the fucking guys around me? It wasn't always that. It became that. It became that. He was banging his head into a wall. You can't blame him. And, man, after reading this, too, I'm very happy that he went to the Rams. I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy for the Rams. Like, that's sick. Not that I really care about the L.A. Rams, but I wish my team, any of my teams – I mean, the Stones just kind of did it with Cade. Anytime your your favorite team gets an electric player, that's fucking awesome. Like, when's the last time Detroit – Again, we just got Cade. Outside of Cade, when's the last time I, I star? I don't know if Stafford's a star, but just because of his personality, he doesn't like flash it. But elite, when's the last time your team just brought in an elite guy? Not drafted, a, oh, a guy who might be elite, just brought in a dude who, oh, he's already fucking sick. Yep, now he's with us. Hasn't happened in Detroit for a long time. Like Marion Hosa. With the Red Wings, honestly, Brian Rafalski with the Red Wings, Prince Fielder, Ian Kinsler with the Tigers, Port, or, uh, Price with the Tigers. Like, When's the last time the Lions have just brought in a dude where, oh, we just got an elite player? Nope. So I'm happy for Rams fans. I'm happy for the Rams. Dude, I'm happy for Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford. It's so hard to call him Matthew. I'm so happy for him, too. I fucking pray I mean, the Lions aren't, come on, the Lions aren't, we're not winning. I mean, come on, we're not winning shit. I pray Stafford gets it done in LA. I'm happy for him. Honestly, can I say this? I'm happy for myself. I'm happy. I'm going to watch every single Rams game. I'm going to, like, I may as well be a Rams fan. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to watch the Lions games. The Lions take precedent. We'll be watching all 60 minutes of those. Probably a little screaming, a couple tears maybe. We'll see. I'm going to watch all 17 Rams. I'm going to be a Rams fan. I And there was just a debate on the internet the other day. 
oh, who's your like? You got to have a second team as a Lions fan. I agree with like second teams; those are horseshit. I wouldn't care if Stafford wasn't with the Rams. I couldn't care less. I don't care about any other team really in all of sports other than the, the Detroit teams and the NBA. I like Golden State, but that would be the only other team I have any attachment to. Every other team, baseball, don't care. Hockey, don't care. Like there are teams I like more than others. Don't care though. NBA, same thing. Don't care. I like Golden Stakes. I like Steph. Still, eh, don't really care. NFL, I certainly don't care. NFL, I certainly, certainly do not care. But I do care about Matthew Stafford. I do care about the guy who was leading my favorite team and was the fucking, like the perfect dude. (laughs) Is that too is that too exaggerated? I care about him. I want to see him do well. And if that means the Rams do well, then so be it. I want that guy to succeed. He deserves it, man. He deserves it. I wanted nothing more than him to succeed in Detroit. He paid his dues. He stuck it out. It wasn't gonna work out. Now he's on the greener pastures, dude. And I hope those pastures are the brightest fucking green he's ever seen. I hope they're so green they make him go blind. I hope they're so green. He turns green. That's how green I hope these pastures are in LA. Also, I mean, that's sweet too. I love Detroit, but he had to live with winter from this guy's from Texas. He just got thrown into winter for 12 years. Now he gets to go live in LA. That's pretty fucking cool too. That's also nice. His kids are going to enjoy that. <laughs> Although it's a shame they won't know the beauties of Detroit, but they'll come back. I'm sure they they have a lake house or something here. But man. I'm excited for Stafford. I'm excited to watch the Rams this year. I'm excited. Honestly, it's like in parallel with Matthew Stafford. I'm excited to have a rooting interest that, hey, like there's a chance. There's a real chance. I'm excited for that. There's a real chance. The Lions since 14, maybe 15, maybe 16. When's the last time we've gone into a Lions season? Forget the fucking Super Bowl, bro. Forget the Super Bowl. That is, forget the Super Bowl. That's fucking out the window. When's the last time we've gone into a Lions season where we were kind of like, we were, oh, oh, wait, this is, we're going to make the playoffs this year, or we're going to have a real shot at the playoffs. When's the last time the Lions have cultivated that feeling going into a season? Oh, shit. Like, let's make the goddamn playoffs this year. The Rams are going into this year like, let's win the whole fucking thing. We just got this stud. Let's win the whole goddamn thing. I'm excited to have a possibility of winning as a fan. Again, I'd rather the Lions win, obviously. But as as a fan of anything, like any rooting interest in any of these sports, I'm excited to have a chance. I'm excited to see a team I like and really would would enjoy being successful actually be successful. I'm excited for that. Just like Matthew Stafford's excited to show what he's capable of, to show that, hey, all you fucking morons running around on the internet and on talk shows saying, oh, he can't win games. Oh, his record against 500 teams. Oh, that didn't watch the Lions. That didn't realize how many games this dude won on his own, how many games the Lions would have gotten obliterated in if he wasn't playing quarterback. I'm excited for that fucking guy to go out there and shove it down some people's mouths. I'm excited to watch him get to prove, oh, look how the – oh, 
Look how the narrative changed. Oh, the Rams aren't a fucking joke. All of a sudden, oh, now everybody loves Matthew Stafford. Oh, that that's interesting. Oh, oh, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He's got one of the best arms in the league. You don't say. Wow, funny how that happens. The moment he is surrounded by anybody that can even sniff his level of talent and capability. Oh, wait a second. Now things are happening. I'm excited for that. He deserves that. He wanted that. Fuck it, dude. I want that. I want that. I want the opportunity for him to prove himself. I want the opportunity to watch a team that I'm invested in fucking accomplish things. I'm happy for him. I think Lions fans this year, like I said, lovers, haters alike are going to be realizing, ooh, ooh, don't take that for granted. Like most things in life, don't take it for granted. Matthew Stafford may be at the top of the list. I'm excited for him. Emotional read. Like I said, check it out. It was a fun read. Emotional, kind of sad how he talks about you know his, his years in Detroit where it's just it ended up becoming banging his head into a wall. But it does feel good to read about him being excited read about him kind of realizing, Hey man, for, for the first time in a long fucking time, I got a chance to prove myself five primetime games with the Rams this year. They asked him in the article too, how often do you play on primetime with the lions? He said, eh, well, Thanksgiving. And then maybe one other game a year, got five with the Rams this year. People are going to see, people are going to take notice. He's going to get the opportunity. He's always wanted to fucking shove it. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I hope Matthew Stafford wins the MVP. <laughs> I hope the Rams win the Super Bowl, assuming the Lions don't. I can't wait to watch 17 games. I can't wait to see all these fucking losers that were dogging on him for 12 years in Detroit eat their words. I can't wait. Shout out Matthew Stafford. All right, folks. That's all we got today. That is all we got today. Good episode. Real good episode. Little Lions, little MSU, little Tigers. Next week. We're going to go heavy into college football. We'll do MSU. I'm going to try to get Jaden Reed on. Um, we're going to talk MSU Northwestern, run down the MSU schedule. Maybe we'll do a little Michigan. Might have to do a little Michigan too. Why not? Eh? Why not? We'll do a little Michigan. Um, following week, we'll dive through the Lions schedule. We'll talk about this season kind of expectations. It's tough. It's tough that the expectations are not high. It's tough. But we will. It'll be a good time. As always, I appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate all you guys that have been spreading the word and sharing, leaving the five-star review, commenting on Apple Podcasts. Please, please keep doing so. I need it because this is new. Get into the feed, grow the audience, grow the community. Really do appreciate that. Thank you to everyone who's been doing it. Thanks to everybody who's already looking forward to the next week episode. The supporters. I am on Twitter at Nick Second String or at the Detroiter. Instagram at the Detroiter. The Detroiter Show at gmail.com. You got things, questions, comments, feedback, whatever. Let me know. As always, appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Shout out Matthew Stafford. <laughs>